Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Thursday. So you know what this episode's going to be. It's this week in Bachelor Nation, a.k.a. The Nation. 
And before we get to our screams from the pit, our parasocial plays of the week, our Bachelor Nation news, and even before we get to our state of the world, we have to issue a correction. In our show from Tuesday, we said that Chris Watson was the first black player to win a ring, and we accidentally overlooked Katie Morton, who won a ring from journeyman player Chris Bukowski on season six of Bachelor in Paradise. That, of course, led to a moment of incredible producer manipulation when they sequestered Morton from the other players at the reunion show and then denied her request to be given her own ring back so she could wear it on stage when she saw Bukowski again. Instead, the producers denied Morton purposely to agitate Bukowski and further strain the relationship. But our correction is that she was technically the first black player to win a ring in any of the Bachelor or Bachelor-adjacent games deepest apologies to katie mo i'll also i can't believe that we missed something that had to do with uh your hall of fame greatest of all time chris bukowski <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i never said he was you the greatest of all time our first whatever maybe for the first hall of fame it was a bad choice okay <laughs> i admit that but in other sports uh-huh. eventually like people start creeping into the hall of fame who just did things that nobody yeah, else people did start creeping in later right I think eventually Bukowski makes it to the Hall of Fame. He'll creep his way in. Yes, he appeared in more shows than anyone. That is a feat unto itself. I think we have a lot, an increasing amount of highly skilled players, so I think it might be some time for Bukowski. Yeah, he'll have to get kind of the the weight of history. We'll have to get behind him, and we'll have to look back at his exploits as something that was incredible. Because I don't think we're going to see a player achieve six appearances again. (laughs) Probably not. Unless we get, you know, Bachelor Summer Games, etc. Fall Games. Maybe if the Bachelor Twilight Years, maybe if that show lasts for like another 10 or 20 years, we will start to see some current players showing up on that show. In their 50s and 60s. Or Amanda Stanton comes back to BIP. Producers, if you're listening, get (laughs) Amanda Stanton on BIP. Please. (laughs) But that, that does it. We just had that correction to issue. And now we are going to move on with the meat of this week in Bachelor Nation. And of course, that always begins with us talking about some larger issue in the news, some global event that is affecting all of us. And then we zero in on exactly how that event is related to the nation, because as we know, all things are. This is Game of Roses. State of the World. Bill and Melinda Gates, two of the richest people in the world, are getting divorced. They met at Microsoft, the company Gates co-founded, and have been married for 27 years, siring three children in that time. No reason was given for the split, but they have been trying to work through some issues for the past few years. Gates is estimated to be worth $130 billion dollars, And in 2000, he and his wife co-founded the Gates Foundation, the largest philanthropic organization in the world, with assets estimated to be worth $50 billion. In recent months, the Gates Foundation gave $1.75 billion in support of development of the COVID vaccine. Both Bill and Melinda have informed employees at the Gates Foundation that the organization will continue to function as normal, 
and they will both continue to work together in their current roles as co-founders. There is speculation that once the divorce is finalized, Melinda Gates might form her own charitable organization with a far more aggressive strategy to distribute wealth to various humanitarian causes. Last year, Mackenzie Scott divorced Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos and left the relationship with an estimated $55 billion, which she immediately began donating to charities. In the four months since her divorce, she reportedly gave away $4 billion to charities focused primarily on education. Some think Melinda Gates' split from Bill might mark a new era of billionaire ex-wives radically altering the philanthropic landscape by donating more money than their husbands ever fathomed. So we're talking about these billionaires divorcing. We're talking about charitable donations. We're talking about where do the assets go? How does all this relate to our beloved game? There are no billionaires in the nation yet that we're aware of, but there are still financial gains tied to the relationships that form in our beloved game. And there are even business endeavors that are generated sometimes by couples. The rings, for example, I'm talking about the real rings, the physical sparklers. These are one asset that comes into question when one of these relationships dissolves. The contracts all players sign with the show have a clause that discusses the ownership of the Neolene Sparklers. We don't have the exact timeline, and it seems like it might vary from season to season, but we think that if a couple stays, in quotes, together for a year after the final episode, the ring winner gets to keep the ring. And in recent years, the rings have been valued at roughly $100,000. So there is significant financial incentive to at least pretend on Instagram that the relationship is still going strong. Becca Kufrin is the most recent crown to fulfill her relationship clause and get to keep her ring after breaking up with Garrett Rigorian. But it's not just rings. What would happen if, and we are not suggesting or hoping this will happen, but what would happen if the Lion Dykes were to split up? How would the ownership of their YouTube channel and even their children's Instagram accounts, which generate revenue for them, how would that be decided? Who would get ownership of it? And as we move further and further into this era that is producing assets in the form of social media accounts, social media posts, how will breakups affect the ownership of these lucrative mutual accounts or spawn con deals. Wait, don't the couples have to stay together for two years to get the sparkler? I've read different things and I have not seen the actual contract. And I've read that mm -hmm. some couples have different timelines on it. Some are a year, some are two years, whatever it is. They're like, PP, if you do two months, <laughs> we'll give you the sparkler. <laughs> Please, PP. <laughs> I, whatever the timeline may be for each individual couple, there is always a timeline. There's a set amount of yeah. time, whatever it may be. Maybe it's not always a year or two years, whatever. But that, when that time ends, you can break up and the recipient of the sparkler keeps it. They own that piece of property. So it's the recipient. It's not the couple. Exactly. And I don't think that that is, to my knowledge, there's not anybody who has yet sold it and like split the revenue. I don't, but that could have happened. I don't know. To my knowledge, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. If anybody else listening knows some details about any of the other couples that have broken up and what happened with the rings and stuff, I'd be fascinated to know. But this idea of 
property, assets, money that is accrued as a couple, when you break up, what happens to it? And we're you know, seeing it obviously at the highest levels here with these super famous billionaires and the charitable organizations that they've set up. I mean, the Gates Foundation has $50 billion in assets. And so when they now are broken up, they're still maintaining their roles as co-chairs of that organization. But once the divorce is finalized, if Melinda goes off and forms her own organization, what then happens to whatever her stake was in that other company? I mean, it obviously gets very complicated with that amount of money, but even in Bachelor, it's pretty fascinating. Like, even just the identities of like Goose and Crystal. Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, they never formed a business together, but certainly they were helping each other's Instagram numbers grow. So there was, it's a harder they thing had to kind of. A YouTube show? They had some. Oh, did they? Hold on. Crystal. Okay, I could have sworn they did some sort of fake show thing. Wait, <laughs> I'm reading a detail in this last weekly article. As a result, Crystal had a meltdown on the car ride back, allegedly slamming her co-stars and accusing the race car driver of having a needle dick. <laughs> After the bowling date, Crystal apparently <laughs> said that about Ari. <laughs> That's funny. Never heard that. Well, whatever kind of dick Ari has, certainly Crystal and Goose had some thing together that when that separated, I'm sure they had to have some conversation about what's going to happen with any of their mutual spawn con deals and all that kind of stuff. And as we move forward into this era where increasingly assets are digital, they are <laughs> NFTs, they're social media accounts, the breakups of people in Bachelor Nation are going to become more and more difficult to navigate as I feel like I, I well, truly they had a believe dog. oh they had a dog together well, and so did Koof that's more of a custody issue I feel like that's almost like a child <laughs> not you an know. asset right but I think we're going to start seeing as social media becomes increasingly where we do everything I think you're going to start seeing these couples coming out of these things almost obligated to start social media business endeavors together because there'll just be too right. much money in it not to. And then when they break up a year later or whatever, it's not just the ring. It's like, okay, who gets our fucking Instagram account? Who gets the spawn con deal with whatever? It's interesting. No one has made a show of what they do with the sparkler after. And I think that's a potential area for someone to be like, I'm selling the ring and I'm giving all of that money to charity. Absolutely. It would be fascinating, but I think the rings are this kind of like strange, dark secret within the nation. Yeah, it seems for TWR to like point it out that you got that prize. Or to sell it in any way. If you're giving the money away to charity, that's like one thing and you can, it's a buffer there. You could do that, I think, and not be maligned. But if you're just like, fuck this, I'm selling it. I made $100,000. Then it, it, like you're saying, it's blatant for TWR. So you think they just keep them all? No, most, most of them don't get to keep them. The show reclaims almost mm. all of these rings unless you're in the relationship for how you have to meet that contractual deadline. Hannah Brown doesn't have her fucking ring. She fucking gave it back <laughs> to Jed. She threw it at him or whatever, right? Hannah Sluss doesn't have her ring. Right. 
I Rachel Kirkconnell? I, I don't know. What what happened that? Did they take it immediately after the final rose? He broke up with you. You know Get who else doesn't have their guy. ring? Hmm. Nick Bial. How dare you? Do you remember that <laughs> they used his ring for that group performance date? Yeah, at the, at the breakup museum, museum. Broken relationships. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But also the guy's <laughs> rings are not they're worthless. They're just like a gold band or whatever. It's the rings that the women get the that have the diamonds though. and shit. Oh, what? I they have Vanessa Grimaldi the, sparkler in there? I think it was the proposal ring. Wait, no, but it was on his season. Nick added a piece to the curation, the engagement ring he picked out for Caitlin. And so that's something that the show had. He didn't just yeah. have that laying around for a year. No. And then he was like, oh, I'll put it in this fucking thing. The show produced that whole segment of them going to the breakup museum and they were like and we'll give you this ring that we've got laying around from nick miles thing you know what this show should actually do you want to make some fucking money take all those broken engagement rings put them up for fucking auction people would pay through the nose oh for my those god how much would you pay for vile's broken engagement ring i wouldn't be able to afford it because i think you'd have like <laughs> super rich fans of the show being like i want you to propose to me with Caitlin Bristow's engagement ring. That type of shit, you know? I, I mean, that, that seems wild, but I, I know that you're right. Yeah, I bet they could make a million dollars-ish off of each of those rings. And how many of them they got laying around now? 20? I'm picturing the nation. I'm picturing that Bachelor in Paradise reunion where someone did something with John Paul Jones's lock of hair... Oh my God! Where's that lock of hair? It's just in a box somewhere in the get Warner the same Brothers lot. A sparkler. <laughs> no, probably not. But anyway, that was our state of the world. We've got this huge news that two of the richest people in the world are about to get divorced, and it just made us start thinking about all of the broken relationships within our beloved game and how it has affected their material assets and how they move forward in kind of business entity terms. And now. It is time to move on to that portion of our show when we discuss all of the most important happenings within the nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. The biggest news in the nation this week is a new... Bachelorette promo. After the vaguely haunting and confusing Bea Katie promos, we're now getting the promos we predicted would happen. The new promo features a glowing Katie Thurston on a pink and purple blurred set, staring into the camera with a parasocial gaze. She wears a white tank top and the long purple skirt and holds a single rose. The tagline now reads, see what all the buzz is about. The caption reads, buzz, buzz, cell phone buzzing emoji. Watch Katie's journey unfold starting June 7th on ABC. She is now the vibrator MJ incarnate. She is purple. She is buzzing. She is the sex positive star of the show. And just to refresh everybody's memory, (laughs) last week, Pace Case predicted this with 100% accuracy. We're not going to play you a clip from our show last week 
and just listen for yourselves. Here it is. If she's bold, she's going to speak her mind. She's very sex positive. She's got all these mm -hmm. fantastic qualities. None of those come through in this promo. I can't believe they didn't at least put the sex positive thing in there. Like it's going to be a buzz of a season or something. So I would say it's not 100% accuracy. I did use the word buzz. <laughs> I'd say it's 100% accurate. <laughs> Just as all of our the predictions Oracle are. Oracle strikes again. But this promo is, it's the next step. Like there are these phases of promos that roll out for Bachelors and Bachelorettes mm -hmm. where it's like, here's a little video that's kind of a cobbled together thing of clips from their season as a player. Okay, now here's a video of them as a bachelorette that's kind of crappy. Now here's the super stylized <laughs> still image. Like this is very akin to the one that they did of Claire with the foot that was mimicking the graduate or the one up with Tasha uh -huh. where she's standing in front of all the newspaper headlines. Her dress is made of the headlines. That one was fantastic. That one was really well done. I agree. This one is not as well done. It seems to only really be using the color purple and that's about it and these these buzz taglines the references to the dildo of course she is very treated in the photo and they do that to all of them but for some reason i don't know if it's the colors of this or what this one seems like more treated it's it's uh fabricated you know it, it mm -hmm. looks surreal almost it's super glowy like a like an ai I think Claire's was like that too, though. Oh, totally. They really like do a number on their faces. They, they make them look almost inhuman. I would go back to look at like uh, Pilot Pete's from his season of Bachelor 24 when he's walking down the, the aisle of an airplane holding out a rose. His face oh, does not God. look human. They yeah, really right. fucked with his face. So there have been a lot of complaints I've been reading online that people are like, I can't believe they made her look like a robot and all this kind of stuff. It's like, they do that to everybody. I don't think that's a unique thing here. That's just what their marketing department does. <laughs> They're like, take the humanity out of this person. That's step one for all of our promos. But to me, it still is in keeping with this kind of meandering idea of what the fuck even is her season. They're not giving her a strong identity in these promos. It still is like all riding on the dildo. The color of it and yeah. the buzzing of it. That's all they're giving us here with her. I mean, again, to be fair, usually they pick one or two things. The thing about Taisha was that there was rumors. The thing about Claire was that she was old. The thing about Katie is that she's sex positive. They don't, they're not going for nuance here. They're going for straight down the middle. What is the number one piece of branding for this person? Okay, sex positive. But I mean, now this is something that is super fucking new. We've never seen someone's entire crown identity be based on their limo exit. We have never seen that. And here we have it. So this means, at least in terms of gameplay, Katie Thurston's limo exit was so fucking strong. I don't know if anyone remembers. It dominated the entire night one. It was the first thing we saw. They played her limo exit, like that scene basically, as the opening teaser of the entire Before show. Before we saw Matt James. Before we saw Matt James, we saw Katie Thurston with a dildo. 
And now, obviously, it's become her entire identity, at least in the marketing preseason of her show. Hopefully, she will become a little more intricate as we get into her season and become a full (laughs) human being, not just a purveyor of dildos. But I've just never seen a marketing campaign that is so heavily tied into a single play that a player did in a prior season. I mean, play of the season, perhaps. In retrospect, I mean, what else could it have been? We'll have to see what Michelle Young does in in her season and how they're going to market her as well. I feel like there's a classroom scene coming. Yeah, exactly. Teachers teachers in session. I should just give out 20 right now so that we don't get the shitty first promo. Okay, here's what you do. Let's do Michelle Young's promo right now. I like she's sitting on the desk giving a nice parasocial gaze right into the fucking camera, holding an apple. Who will be teacher's pet? Bestiality. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not (laughs) what I was going for at all. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Who's going to ace this test? An apple a day keeps the 40WR away. (laughs) (laughs) okay sure okay some of these taglines they're not gonna use (laughs) it's gonna be a teacher motif it's going to take place in a classroom and maybe we'll even get like a silhouette of somebody in the foreground raising their hand maybe she'll be writing something on a chalkboard some question that's like who is here for the right reasons or will you accept this rose or something of that nature let's see her other things the teammate thing she had she wants a world world changer it's her standing on top of a planet earth and underneath the planet earth is a silhouette of a man with a question mark and it is just her outstretched arm saying who will be my world changer (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that'll be it (laughs) no i don't think so either it sounds more like a bachelor clue (laughs) i'll make that one what are some other I want to do more teacher puns we gotta nail it the oracle who will make the grade classes in session that could classes be her slogan classes in session love that Michelle Young who will be the top of her class that's a good one Michelle is a class act Hmm. Love is old school. That was a stretch. You're you're getting thinner now. <laughs> Who's ready for extra credit? Miss Young will face her greatest test. That's interesting. They're testing her. I think they could do a double dip with classes in session with take your seats, classes in session. Mm. Little double command there. I also think, by the way, they're going to do a fucking group date on her season that takes place in a classroom where she's asking them questions that are like, are you smarter than a fifth grader style questions? Shit that her students would know. And everybody's going to get it wrong. And somebody is going to get crowned the class clown and they're going to have to wear a dunce cap. Don't be that player. Don't succumb to this fool edit. Be good at math. (laughs) Just don't do anything like crazy that's going to get you the dunce cap because you won't be able to live that down. They'll make you fucking wear it at the after party. 
Just stay away from it. That's all I'm saying. This group date's definitely going to happen. This is not even a prediction. This 1,000%. Is just, <laughs> there's no way they're not doing this. So if you're a player who's going to be on Michelle Young's season and you're listening and you're on that group date, don't get the dunce cap. And you know who's going to be asking the questions? Her cute little kids. God, of course. Of course. We've seen this date. I mean, we saw it on Labor of Love, but we've also seen PP's pilot school. That was a rough one. <laughs> it was. But anyway, these are our takes on the news of uh, Katie Thurston's new promo coming out this week, which starts to give you a little bit of a taste of what this season might be like. And as we said, it's still kind of up in the air. This is not a strong indicator of what is the tone or the theme of this season. It's just a dildo. We get it. <laughs> School's out for the fall. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to teach you a lesson. Okay, they're getting worse. You're right. <laughs> I just got to have this clip ready. <laughs> Yeah, it will be. Speaking of clips, moving on to the second piece of Bachelor Nation news, we are talking about the gorification of the internet or the regorification, if you will. It is currently underway. And this week, we had some strong support coming from 2X Players podcast now i'm going to play you two clips of things that were said on podcasts this week in support of the glorification of the internet the first is from mouthing off with olivia caridi during her latest interview she introduced jen sheft as one of the only members of bachelor nation to perform a full royale i'm going to let you listen to this now Welcome to Mouthing Off with Olivia. Hey guys, it's Olivia Caridi from The Bachelor, the girl with probably the biggest mouth you've ever seen. But now I'm using my huge mouth to talk really smart things with my favorite reality stars, influencers, YouTubers, you name it. They're going to mouth off too. Damn. This is Mouthing Off with Olivia. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, I have, I have quite the intro here. For Jen Sheft, who's obviously now Jen Sheft Waterman, but here's the intro. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> As Ishida <laughs> said, the first person to become full royale, both winning the ring and the crown, one of only three. Does that make sense? I like it. The ring it does make sense. on the Andrew's ring. season. Yep. And then Correct. the crown. I got the ring and then I got the crown by being the bachelor. Exactly. And you were one, the first of only three in history. So I don't know who Ashida is on her show. Maybe it's a producer. Whoever mm -hmm. Ashida is, Ashida's in the is pit. Is in the pit. Yes. That was not just using one of our terms. That was almost a verbatim retelling of phrases we've said in relation to the full royale. But the full royale is also a term we coined. It's also not one of our most used terms. We talk about the full royale maybe in five to ten episodes total out of our whole uh, hundreds of thousands of episodes we've done <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's an exotic so, term for yeah. sure it's exotic it's an exotic <laughs> it's rare that you get to use it because only three players have achieved this status but there you have it olivia caridi 
saying one of our terms written for her by Ashida, who again I assume is a producer. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I tried to Google who produces her podcast and I couldn't find it. A full royale, by the way, is winning both the ring and the crown. Winning the ring means that you are the last person left. You get the final rose. Sometimes it's a proposal with an actual ring. Sometimes it's a ring on a necklace. Sometimes it's a, here's a plane ticket. Let's go on this trip. (laughs) The Jesse Palmer. Um, But, and the crown is becoming the next bachelorette. Only Jen Sheft, Emily Maynard, and the Koof, Becca Koofrin, have done it. And now we're going to move on to another clip that exists in support of full glorification of the internet. The second clip was P.P. and Dustin Kendrick's podcast, Bachelors in the City, during which Kendrick reads a fan's question asking Poppy how he felt about Bennett taking his Cringe King title. So here is that clip. This one is for Dustin, LOL. All right, here we go. Since Peter has been crowned the cringe king of Bachelor Nation. Cringe king? Who's who's crowning me cringe king? (laughs) Wait, wait a minute. Arguably now dethroned by Bennett. Oh, on TikTok. I guess we're going to have to have another uh, battle. Is Peter really that cringy in real life? And if yes, what's the most embarrassing (laughs) thing he has done? PP. PP. PP asked the question, who crowned me the cringe king? We did, PP. That was us. Game of Roses. Unblock us. <laughs> Are we then blocked? Then maybe you'd know. <laughs> I, Bachelor Clues is not blocked from uh. Popeye. He still allows me unfettered access to all of his cringe content. But there you have it. These are two major podcasts in the Bachelor Nation sphere. Hosted by ex-players, in PP's case, a crown and an ex-player. And they're using our terminology. They're referring to things that we're saying in the game. We could not be happier about this. We feel like the glorification, at least of the Bachelor Nation uh, internet, is something that has been a long time coming. We've had our struggles with the producers de-glorifying the internet, as you may know. <laughs> but now, now we're on the upswing. Yeah. Uh, and PP, you've had your Cringe King title for a long time. You've had it since you made that thrusting TikTok video. But the truth remains, Bennett has claimed the crown. There, there's simply no other way to say it. Yeah. First of all, PP sometimes produces content that is not cringe. Bennett doesn't. Every <laughs> one of Bennett's pieces of media is fucking high-level cringe. I'm not even saying it's like slightly cringy either. It's cringe at a level you cannot believe. He is prolific. <laughs> PP goes on in this podcast to say he's kind of aware of the cringe and he leans into it. Dustin Kendrick also corroborates that. I don't think Bennett's aware of the cringe, which elevates it to a higher level of cringe. The mm-hmm. sincerity in it makes it almost terrifying. Bennett is also involving an element in his cringe content that PP has not done since he was the crown. Uh, And that is a voluntary nudity play. Bennett is often shirtless in some of these videos, which adds this whole other element to it. I haven't seen PP shirtless since he was spraying himself down on top of that plane for his season. Bennett also has an element of the hard flex 
in many pictures, especially the voluntary nudity plays, where his arms are in the pictures, he is flexing his biceps as hard as he can unnecessarily. I would point you to a picture that he has in his main grid of him holding a drill with one hand and the other arm is just kind of up. That arm has no reason to be in full flex, and yet it is. So he is How flexing. How do you know he's full flex? Maybe he's even more jacked than you can imagine, and that's just his limp arm. <laughs> well, that's an inhuman ability that he has, if that's the case. <laughs> it looks like he's clearly flexing. In many of his pictures, there's a lot of pictures that he posts where just like one arm is behind his head, like he's in repose, relaxing. But that bicep is fucking balled up on that arm. He is flexing as hard as he can. That's just another little element when you start to really dig into mm-hmm. what makes his stuff high-level cringe. That's just a little little seasoning. He's also incorporating tots, that full-body orange suit he was wearing. Yeah. Bennett is the cringe king. We hope to see him in paradise. We think he's going to do huge cringe things there. I mean, if Bennett is not in paradise, what are we even doing here? I'm putting it at 100%. I, I think there's absolutely no way he is not in paradise because he's been putting in the work, cringe or not. Yes. Bennett is outworking everyone right now in the nation. Um, have you seen Damar? <laughs> I have. I'm not saying he's not working hard, but he's not doing what Bennett's doing. Bennett is front and center at all times. He's in New York hanging out with all of those groups that are in New York right now. Mm-hmm. He's drumming up this uh, rumor that. It's not even a rumor. He openly has said in his cringe content, he wants to start dating Kelly Flanagan. He's interested in her. Mm-hmm. And then the story comes out that he asked for his uh, permission to date her and all this. He's creating stories around himself that get taken up by Us Weekly, by people, by all the usual suspects. Other players just right. aren't doing that. And he's doing cringe content. And he's alluding to the fact that he wants to go to paradise for a cringe player which is a relatively new subgenre of player, he's operating at the highest level I believe a cringe player can. Who is in the cringe space who is a female player? I don't know if that exists. Hmm. I would say maybe Victoria Larson, but not quite. Yeah, I don't think that exists yet. No, I mean, even people who get strong weirdo edits like Kendall Long, her content is pretty influencery. Totally is, yeah. It's all very like pose, kind of model shots and stuff like that. I'd like to see a cringe queen emerge. Players who are listening. You know who the cringe queen is? Who? Sweet Nums. (laughs) As I have to remind myself every day, she is not a player. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's got my cringe queen crown. I love that, actually. Yeah, some of her... Her dance videos that she posts with her friends are pretty entertaining. Speaking of Bachelor players being prolific, making a ton of content, our next item of Bachelor Nation news is Rachel Lindsay has announced her book, Miss Me With That Hot Takes, Helpful Tidbits, and a Few Hard Truths. It comes out January 25th, 2022, The New Ides of March. What will be inside this book? Is it going to be a tell-all about her time and game? 
Will there be a chapter about the DLH extra interview? Or will it steer clear of Bachelor Nation altogether in favor of promoting all of her endeavors unrelated to the nation? Also, is she in the pit using the word tidbit in her title? I don't know if we can claim tidbit in the same way that we can claim full royale. I think that had a meaning before (laughs) we started using it. But I'll take it. Fuck it. It's 100% evidence she's in the pit. Great. It's the gorification of the publication world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's about to pick up. That is. Definitely. Plenty of Bachelor players have released books over the years. Colton Underwood, Tyler Cameron, Ben Higgins, Cordy Robertson, Andy Dorfman has put out two books. The list goes on and on. And there is a huge market for Bachelor Nation books. Underwoods, for example, was on the New York Times bestseller list when it came out initially. And we are wishing Rachel the same success in late January, although we know she will face some very heavy competition within the Bachelor Nation book world uh, from a book called How to Win the Bachelor coming out earlier that month. Good luck, Rachel Lindsay. We will see what happens. May the best player win. And now the next item of Bachelor Nation news isn't really news. It's just a little discussion we want to have briefly about the state of the show being in this strange limbo zone with no hosts. I personally believe the show is in a bit of a precarious situation. And if they don't lock in a host Mm. soon, it could have detrimental effects to the game potentially even bringing to fruition a prediction made by Baylock High that the show would end. His prediction cannot be completely true. He predicted the show would end after Michelle Young's season, but they're already contractually obligated to produce a season 26 of Bachelor, so that at least will happen. But after that, if this host situation isn't locked in, I think it might be very bad. So this is an open call to the producers. Here's what you got to do. In my opinion, you lock in Sean Lowe. He is the ultimate host. He serves a wide variety of audience demands. He is the patriarchal white Christian figure that Chris Harrison was. So he satisfies that side of the audience. He is the living embodiment of 4TRR, your only bachelor in 25 seasons to marry his ring winner. They are still married. They have children. So anybody who still believes this show is about finding love, he is the perfect example of that. He also is married to a ring winner who is not white. She is a player of color, Catherine Judy Chilo. So she serves the side of the audience that does want progress. But not hosting. I don't think that that... This is where I disagree with you on this. I think... The time of the the Aryan dream Sean Lowe is over. I don't see they I don't see them replacing Chris Harrison after a racism scandal with a white man. I just don't see it. You know they're actively trying to bring back Chris Harrison himself. Not only replace Chris Harrison yes. with a white man, replace him with his exact self. So if they're thinking of doing that, I don't think they have any problem putting another white guy as the host. I think they're totally fine with that. I think Tasha and Caitlin are a buffer season to just, let's see if this blows over. Let's see. We'll take the temperature of the nation after this season happens. We'll see what we do with Bachelor of Paradise with Michelle Young season. 
they need a singular host to be it, maybe it's not Sean Lowe. Maybe you're mm-hmm. right in that. Maybe it has to be more progressive. I agree that they need a singular host. And it needs to happen quickly because I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in Katie Thurston's season. I think it's going to be an inflection point for a lot of different things, including the role of the host in the show. But you do need a person who is going to be there from season to season to season to anchor the show and deliver the functionality of a Chris Harrison, which is to come in at the beginning and end of episodes primarily and say, this round is over. This round is beginning. This week, there are going to be this many group dates, this many one-on-one dates. I agree. It will need to be a singular host. Sean Lowe appeases the older generations of Bachelor viewers, the millennials and up. We need a Gen Z host that ain't Sean Lowe. But it can't be, the age of the host can't be Gen Z. It can't even be millennial because there's also something that needs to take place, which just occurred naturally through the history of the old Bachelor, the old Bachelor being 1 through 25, the Harrison years. He aged. And in the golden era of it, which I would say is like mm-hmm. Sean Lowe to PP, really, seven, season 17 to season 24, Chris Harrison was old enough that he was not perceived as like interested in any of the players. He's not their contemporary. He had a kind of age-related authority. The host needs to have that, I feel like, going he forward. Was their, he was their age, He but... His thing was that he was, quote unquote, a happily married man. That's all you need. You need them to be in a solid relationship. So that means it could be a Caitlin Bristow. It could be a Rachel Lindsay. Not that she would ever do it. I don't think it can be Caitlin Bristow, though, because Caitlin Bristow, is, like as a star, she wants the spotlight on her. The host can't be like that. The host has to understand they're just there to push things along and to serve as the confidant in moments when the lead or a player needs it, and that's it. And then they're gone. Caitlin Bristow is the fucking. She, she won Dancing with the Stars. I think no, she's are you a, kidding me? I think she's a tenfold threat. She can pull it back <laughs> if she needs. She can do a subtle ting. I don't believe she can pull it back. I think she's got one gear, and it's look at me at all times, and that's fine. She's very good at it. I'm not knocking her for that. That's just not a host of this type of show. She should like have her own show, you know? I guess you're right. And I guess that, no, I mean, scratch that. I don't think you're right. I think she could definitely do this. <laughs> um, I guess the people I am thinking that would be the best for the job do have more of a personality, but I feel like that would be okay. Hear me out. All right. Ashley, I... I love this idea. I love this idea. She's locked up in a relationship. She's a veteran, but she seems very young. I like how you said she's locked up in a relationship. I think that's the other way around. <laughs> I think it's Jared Iaconetti <laughs> that's locked up in that one. <laughs> she's holding all the keys. Oh, my God. We don't know that. <laughs> Who knows we what's don't. happened? That's speculation, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I think she actually is very good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, she majored in communications or journalism or something. She's fucking great on her podcasts and stuff, even her YouTube videos. Like, in terms of the skills required to be an on-camera host, she got them. You don't even have to retrain her or anything. Mm-hmm. She obviously knows the game inside and out. 
she doesn't maybe have the historical perspective that a Dark Lord Harrison has, but you can teach that. We taught it to ourselves with the fucking hyper binge. I love this idea. It's Ashley Iaconetti. You've sold me. She's the host of The Bachelor. My other ideal would be Charlene Joint. I don't think they would go there because I think she's been too outspoken about the show, but she has that like respect factor. She is she commands an audience and a respect and a seriousness. But she's too against the process. I get I hear what you're saying and I think she'd be great too, but she decries the process too much. Ashley A. Kennedy is once again proof that the process works. She didn't meet her guy on The Bachelor. She didn't even meet she kind of met her guy, I guess, technically in Bachelor in Paradise, but the the union What do you mean? She fully did. But you know what happened. It was disastrous. It was friend zone, friend zone, friend zone, and then later she has to But the process works. Exactly. <laughs> It, it is still two people from Bachelor Nation. And the, as their relationship grows, mm-hmm. obviously, it is proof that the process works. Just like you said. I Look, you've sold me. It's her. Producers, if you're listening, Ashley Iaconetti is how you save the show. She is the new Dark Lord Harrison. You've sold me 100%. I think she's it. I mean, my dream, like, I would love to see, like, Mike Johnson hosting. I just think mm-hmm. he's so charismatic. <laughs> But he's not locked up. He doesn't have a relationship. So and he's therefore... too charismatic. Again, like he's the star of it. I'm not saying Ashley Iaconetti isn't charismatic. She is. But you saw what she's done. In both of these bubble seasons, she and Jared Iaconetti showed up to do a couple of dates. Mm-hmm. She read the fucking Dark Lord Harrison sex book. And they did the uh, who's a, be a man or whatever date, right? What was it? Badass man, the most badass man, or what What the fuck was it? Grown-ass man. Grown-ass man. The grown-ass man challenge. The grown-ass yes. man, yeah. And she was good at that. She could hold her yeah. own. She could stand up there and say, here's what this date is about. Here's what you're going to have to do. I, and I think, like, maybe it's a, a season or two of her kind of, like, working out the bumps and figuring out mm-hmm. how exactly to do all this shit. But once she gets dialed in, that's your fucking dark lord. I think the marriage also gives her this authority that single Ashley I wouldn't have had. I agree. I don't know who the producers are talking about or what their level of urgency is to find a new host, but let me just make it very clear. It should be the highest level of urgency. That is a huge piece of the show that is missing. And if you go into like two or three seasons where it's like, oh, let's try this person. Let's try this person. You're going to lose that anchor that thing that keeps us all watching every season there needs to be a through line and if you don't have it it is going to be detrimental to your ratings and to the general fan base put someone in that spot absolutely we saved the show what do you think about a solo Tasha? i don't know well let's see what she can do this season yeah she's very good on clickbait mm-hmm. i don't know if she's a good host I don't know that she's necessarily like a similar kind of all eyes on me like Caitlin Bristow. I don't think she has that quality necessarily. She just lacks authority. Ashley Iaconetti has it. If she's on set, it's like, I believe she's the boss. Taisha has authority on clickbait. Taisha's the boss on clickbait. You can just tell. She's the boss to fucking grocery store Joe. That doesn't <laughs> translate to 30 players running a fucking huge multi-million dollar production making sure the game is going you know it it just doesn't translate both ashley and tasha are company men though so 
company women. Yep. I think either of them could do it. I think Ta- like the only problem is Tasha's unmarried, but what if she does this? She comes on to host Bachelor in Paradise. Surprise, it's my wedding. Gets married. She's also the person who's conducting the wedding. The, uh... <laughs> She's the host of Bachelor in Paradise, where she gets married, and is the person who marries herself. Yes. Zach Clark. Fine. Sure. She does Maybe. it all. Maybe she puts okay. on a little hat to designate the different characters. I'll buy it. Fuck it. I just feel like Tasha's too fun. She's she's like too lighthearted to be the host. The host has to have some level of gravitas. I think Ashley I Kennedy can pull that off. You don't think Tasha has that when she says, I don't like these people? No. Imagine, like, for example, a Colton Underwood situation. He jumps the fucking fence. When Chris Harrison is out in the darkness searching for him, mm-hmm. at least he is conveying that this is a serious moment and they need to find him. I think Ashley I. Kennedy could do that. I don't know if Tasha can. She's like too, she's always smiling. She's always happy. And I'm not knocking that. That's a great quality. I don't know if it translates well to a host who needs to be able to dip into those like serious moments. Yeah, DLH never smiled. His laugh was like, it was rare and it was a treat. <laughs> Speaking of rare Jesus. events, <laughs> uh, our final piece of Bachelor Nation news is an event that happens only once a year. Maggie Tariq's birthday was on April 28th. She turned 33. Happy birthday, Maggie Tariq. Happy birthday, Maggie. And now it is time to move on to that piece of our show where we discuss all the plays that our favorite players are making off the field and in the primary world. That's the digital world. That's the world of social media. That's the world where we all live now. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. First up in parasocial plays, Dr. Joe Park posted a two minute Instagram video in which he is sitting on a stoop busking for Be The Match, an organization to match people with bone marrow donors. In it, he is with four other members of his family playing various instruments and all in red hats. A family taught. The caption reads, Busking for bone marrow donors. Hey, you. Yes, you. You can save a life. Be The Match is an amazing organization that matches people with patients who have blood cancers like leukemia and lymphoma and other life-threatening diseases. The gift of a bone marrow transplant can be the cure for someone in need. In honor of at Vent with Katie. That is Katie Thurston, who has been a huge supporter of Be The Match and also the soon-to-be Bachelorette. Here's what to do. One, join. Text Katie Thurston to 61474 to receive a free swab kit. Step two, swab. Painless swab of the cheek with a Q-tip. Step three, wait. You'll be notified if you're a match with a patient in need. Then Park thanks his family for joining him in this parasocial play, which has... 91,629 views, 2,864 likes. Joe Park is always in our parasocial plays. Ever since he came on to the season in Bachelorette, season 16, we've been impressed again and again by what this man can do with his parasocial power. Another impressive player 
that launched one of my favorite parasocial plays maybe ever this week was the nation's queen of TikTok, Madison Pruitt. Pruitt made a short TikTok video this week in which her face slowly transforms into various members of the Four Horsewomen of the Apocalypse, a.k.a. PP's Final Four. And then finally, her face transforms into the most glorious of them all, a photo of Sweet Nums herself. From the early meeting of the family vow renewal one-on-one date she got in the beginning of Please season. This video has 1.2 million views <laughs> and 148,000 likes. More staggering numbers for the, this professional player. Are we all going to be worshiping at the Prue Megachurch one day soon? Yes. I'm already there. I don't even believe in God. I don't care. I feel like she is going to be a religious leader shortly. Her videos, she's doing like motivational speaking things that are religious. They're just, she's dominating that space. I can see her breaking through to mainstream Christian culture. Yes. Supremacy. She's very close to it now. I could see her becoming like a Joel Osteen type figure, honestly. He has 4.5 million followers. I could see her getting there. We don't know much about the Christian social media world. I don't know who needs to repost her or who she needs to go on their podcast or whatever, but I can definitely see it. Like she's somebody who I can see actually making huge Instagram gains postseason. Our third entry into the parasocial plays of the week this week, Abigail Herringer. She is doing something extraordinary that I don't know of a phrase for, but I have come up with a new term. It is called a ship trap. This is where you make parasocial plays that make the viewers want to ship, aka really want you to have a relationship with a particular person. She posted a couple of ship trap images to her stories. One is of her and Dr. Joe Park, both gazing into the camera as she hides her face with a hard seltzer can. Park makes a Korean heart hand gesture. The second ship trap is of her and Mike Johnson. He is nuzzling her hair as she delivers a peace sign to camera. The New York City contingent are creating a high volume of drunken parasocial content, stoking the members of Bachelor Nation's shipping instincts hard. Congrats to Herringer on these strong ship traps. These plays were extraordinary, but I am vastly more impressed by your coining of the phrase ship trap. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm very happy with it. I believe you just altered the trajectory of coverage of social media. I believe ship trap (laughs) is going to be in wide use across all areas of social media within six months. Congratulations, Pace Case. Herringer is not the first to ship trap. We saw. Tyler Cameron and Hannah Brown do this hardcore for a very long time. It's a very powerful postseason strategy. And it's, it's used many times outside of Bachelor Nation. This is across all of social media. That's what I'm saying. I think your coining of this phrase is going to be a huge mm. thing. Great. Let the ship trap sail. We set you free. All of these plays were impressive, of course, but there can only be one parasocial play of the week and that goes to our upcoming crown 
Bachelorette Season 17, the 18th Bachelorette, Katie, Katie Thurston. Thurston. She posted to her Instagram stories this week declaring her top five wishes to be seen on Paradise. Four from Matt James's season, Alana Milne, Jacinia Cruz, Marilyn Siena, and night one girl Cassandra Suarez, and one lone ninth place contestant from PP's 24th season, Tammy Lai. To our knowledge... This is the first time a crown has ever declared her dream roster for the upcoming season of Sand. It follows in the footsteps of her tweet declaring that DLH should not host her season. Will she join Rachel Lindsay in the historical record of crowns who fundamentally changed the game? I believe so. This post didn't have the same amount of engagement that Pruitt's did, but Jesus Christ. A crown? Basically just saying, here's who should be on the Paradise season that comes after my show. And by the way, <laughs> these are all friends of her. She's lifting up her teammates from season 25 primarily here. This is fucking amazing to watch. She is taking such total control of now every element of the game, even a season she's not going to be a player in, to help form this, to help nudge producers in the right way. Because this post is out here now. Producers are going to do whatever they, they're going to do and cast whoever they want. But this is out there. People are talking about this. It's on Reddit. It's flying across Bachelor Nation social media. And we all now have this image of, fuck, I hope these people are on the show too. We're all going to be thinking about this when we're watching her season and being like, who are the people she's kicking off? Would they be good with a Jesenia Cruz? Would they be good with a Cassandra Suarez? Who, by the way... Love that Katie Thurston is uplifting Cassandra Suarez because she was a night one girl, but I had her in my final four. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she'll be a finalist on this next season of BIP. Maybe she'll get a redemption story. But I think just in the weeks leading up to Katie's premiere, we are seeing her use her parasocial power in ways we've never seen anyone do before, really. Yeah. That DLH tweet was remarkable. And now we are learning through all this other reporting that it was very likely that tweet that did get Harrison eliminated. It was kind of the final stroke in the producers making the decision to not have him around for her season. And now she's doing this. The producers aren't controlling these tweets or even this post. I don't think she went to producers and was like, hey, do you mind if I say who I want to be on Paradise. She's just fucking doing it. And then the producers have to deal with the world she's creating. I mean, other than Rachel Lindsay saying she will distance herself from the franchise unless the next Bachelor is black, I cannot remember a crown doing something like this that impacts the game to this significance. And By the way, time will tell how significant that DLH tweet was. If he does end up coming back, it won't be as significant. But if this is the nail in the coffin, if they're like, he's out this season, we can't really introduce him into Paradise, we can't really introduce him into Michelle Young, fuck it, let's pick a new person, then she will have taken down DLH, who has been on the show 25 seasons. She will end the DLH era. Certainly that's overtly a more uh, impactful play if he never comes back. But imagine if he's only Mm -hmm. gone for one season and it's because of her tweet. 
that's insanely impactful as well. She was somehow able to create a bubble of isolation from DLH for one season. She was able to get Taisha and Caitlin Bristow on, Caitlin Bristow being probably her hero player, to become a dynamic trio with those three. And then if Taisha and Caitlin wind up making Two Million Club, it's because of Katie Thurston. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so many different kind of permutations, the effects that she is going to have on the game. I truly believe her season is going to be revolutionary in terms of the level of control that a crown can wield over the entirety of the game. And I'm looking so fucking forward to this season. But this is just a little uh, tidbit, a little tantalizer, an appetizer to what is to come. Her social media is only going to pick up as her season starts and she probably joins the million club immediately and what are those plays going to look like in season i can't wait oh my god i'm salivating for that shit because usually a crown's plays are like all very producer sanctioned they're promotional for whatever the episode is that's coming out that week and that's about it they might do a few instagram lives they'll start appearing on some of the podcasts and stuff but I think Katie Thurston is a different variety of... She just knows Mm -hmm. social media better than anybody ever has coming into the game. And I think she's going to be able to use it in ways as her show is airing that we we can't even really fathom yet. I think she's going to find new ways to do it too. Like I think it'll be an interesting experience for her to watch her season back. And I think new ideas will come to her uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of what she can do on social media as she's in the process of that experience as well. We're just, we're in for a wild ride, and I really am looking fucking forward to it. Me too. I mean, even like her smaller plays, I mean, we talked about her vaccine video last week, but she did a little video where she was like combing through her closet, and it was all these various tots, like just weird outfits that she had in it, and I was like, this is, it's refreshing. I want to be a Katie. Now you know what it means. Okay. Yeah. Now the tagline is resonating. (laughs) I take everything back I said. Be a Katie definitely means something. It was a long game strategy by the marketing team. They're like, nobody's going to know what this fucking means for like three weeks, but then eventually it'll sink in. Uh, But congratulations to Katie Thurston on her parasocial play of the week and everything that we are about to see coming from her over the course of the next few months in her season. Now it is time for Pace Case and I to fall to the bottom of the pit where we will issue our screams about how this show is affecting our lives. This is Screams from the Pit. I hinted at my scream in Tuesday's episode. But I performed for the first time in my life the main move of our beloved sub sport. I performed a hoochoo. <laughs> Did you have anybody around to watch it and critique it? First of all, there were people around. I didn't get any critiques, but maybe I should go back and ask for them. I went to the beach and I played beach volleyball with some of my friends this weekend. I'm basically a a cast member of the OC at this point. And during this game, 
well, during this game, between rounds, I didn't interrupt the game, but the idea struck me that I would attempt a hoochoo. I asked my friend, who was very tall, 6'5", to catch me, and I ran. I successfully jumped and performed a cling. I repeated the hoochoo twice. But let me tell you, Clues, I have a whole new respect for the hoochoo. <laughs> okay. It was incredibly difficult. <laughs> Yeah. Perhaps made more difficult by the fact that I was running through sand and it was difficult to gain momentum or hops, but it was incredibly hard to get up there and stay up there, let alone perform any dismount moves such as kiss play or handhold play. I would recommend to players that they be, they're not in control of this, but be closer to the same height as the object of the huju. And don't perform this move on sand. <laughs> Wear running shoes. <laughs> Most importantly, practice before you're in the game. It is much harder than it looks. I feel like I should revise everything I've ever said about hoojus because it is incredibly <laughs> difficult. And if my first ever attempts had been filmed, it, it's a mockery. Clues, you would have you would have ripped me to shreds. I would have helped you. Um, first of all. <laughs> I just want to say congratulations Thank on you. attempting this. This is fantastic news, and I'm glad that you have a newfound respect for it. Like, when you were doing it, were you imagining Kelsey Weir at all? Was she going through your head? A little bit, yeah. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get speed. Did you get your I legs over the it. hips? It was so hard. Yeah, but I had to, like, pull myself up. I had a pull in it, huh? Did you get double yeah. ankle lock? The ankles probably locked briefly, but impossible that to counts. hold. Yeah, it's Barely hard. clung. It requires a lot of strength, like full body. You have to have good lower body strength to get that ankle lock and keep it held. You have to have good upper body strength to hold around the neck. It's mm -hmm. like it is a full, it's like a, a gymnastics move. I mean, it really is. It is. And you really need to be able to jump, which I can't jump very high. I can yeah. jump like an inch or two. It's not, it's not yeah, good. That's crucial. That's part of your mount. You got to have good ups for sure. That's why when you see somebody like a Serena Pitt, for example, she didn't have the mm -hmm. highest rated huju of last season, but she's also like three foot one. And she had to do a huju on Matt James, who's the tallest <laughs> bachelor we've ever had. And like she did it. She cleared his hips. That's an athletic person. That's an athletic move. Yeah. I, I am thoroughly impressed that you did it. Congratulations. And uh, thank you. I hope if you do other hoojus in the future, you know, you've learned a few things and they get better with time. Yeah. I do want to try it again on cement <laughs> wearing sneakers. Yep. I think that'll help. But yeah. And maybe if I lost like 100 pounds, that might help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was hard. It was hard. <laughs> have you ever done one? Uh, have I ever performed a huju? No. Yeah. I've had you them performed it. on me a few times. I think if you're going to critique it, you should try it. Who would I huju? Will. <laughs> I can't. Who'd you will? Will. 
<laughs> this is going to be really weird, but I have to do it. So just stand there. Close your eyes. He would be um, down. Anyway, I do think you should try it before you are criticizing anyone and their hoojus. Just right, so you know. It. I'll do it. I'll do it. You're right. I feel like you're it right. has changed my perspective it. on it. No, you're right. I have to do it. I'll find a target. And that's all there is to it. I'll find a target. Someone at the Grove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm coming for you. You're tall. <laughs> that's the tallest person I've ever seen. They're getting hoojus. That's a fantastic scream. And my scream this week also involves physical activity. I had a bit of sadness this week because I had to say goodbye to my 30-pound weights that I got from Blake Ellerby, a player of our beloved game. Well, I didn't say goodbye to them. They're still in my home, but I've (laughs) been going back to the gymnasium. I'm not using them anymore. The paint cans went back in the closet, as did the curtain rod. And wow. I've been going to the fucking gym, which is the a trip, era. to say the least. The gyms out here are like kind of half functional. There's a limit to how many occupants they can have, which is, I think, 25% mm-hmm. of whatever the capacity is. And the basketball courts are still closed and the saunas are closed, jacuzzi's closed. You have to book the pool if you want it. There are some protocols in place still, and everybody has to wear a mask while they're in there. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that I was like, okay, that's not bad. I'll psychologically I'll be able to handle this. By the way, I'm fully vaccinated at this point, as are many people in Los Angeles. I am I'm feeling like not good, but I'm prepared enough to like reinsert myself into these public routines that I used to have that I'm like, it's time to get back into this shit, you know? Cool. Um yeah. today is our two weeks since our second dose. Congratulations. Congratulations. We did Full it. strength. Yeah. Um, I do feel better. I feel like most of the side effects are like completely gone now. But um, yeah, the gym has been an interesting experience. I don't know how many of you listening may be about to start your own journey back into whatever your workout routine was or, or trying to get into one after the pandemic and stuff. But uh, it was pretty interesting. People are in quotes wearing masks. Many of them are wearing them around their necks, though. That's uh, not not great. So it's about 50-50, at least in the gym that I work out in. And Of people I thought, wearing masks? Of people wearing masks. Everybody oh. has a mask. And probably they wore it when they came That's in. That's not the but important that at some part. Point, it slides off. I agree. <laughs> and at least at the LA Fitness I work out at in Los Angeles, some of the kind of dirtier things that happened in this gym i thought would be cleaned up a little bit that ain't the case there's still like gum in the every sink in the bathroom and fucking like dirty used wet paper towels everywhere just laying on the floors and stuff so that doesn't seem to have changed at all but uh it did feel good to get back in the gym i have that muscle soreness that my blake ellerby weights and my paint cans of curtain rod can never quite (laughs) attain that level of workout i feel like i'm getting a better workout and I think it's having a, as we know, exercise has a psychological effect. You just feel better. And I You're am glowing. in fact doing that. Oh, thank you very much. I just got a glow from Pace Case. But yeah, it was a little bittersweet when I took my 30 pound weights and I'm like, well, obviously I can, I'm never going to use these again because I'm going to go to the fucking gym almost every day now, but I'm not going to get rid of them. I put them in the closet. They're in there with other shit that I'll never use again. And put I just had a little- gallery. <laughs> With Munica. Okay. Sure. (laughs) 
I don't know if Blake Ellery created the, the words. He just sold them to me. But yeah, they served their purpose. I did get in some, you know, I maintained some muscle mass with them over the course of the pandemic. So I thank Blake Ellerby for that. And I thank the pit, obviously the pit provides. But uh, yeah, I'm back in the gym now. Hope you get some gains or losses, whatever we want. <laughs> it's gains and you don't have to hope. The gains are coming. It's swole season. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> On that note, thank Great. you everyone for joining us this Thursday for this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you have been entertained with our Bachelor Nation news, our parasocial plays, our screams, our state of the world. And we will be back next Tuesday with a new episode for you. In the meantime, please keep sending us in those tids to Bachelor Clues. Love the tids. Been a lot of good tids this week. And thanks to everybody who's sending us pictures of them getting their 4TRR shirts. These parasocial yes. plays that you guys are doing in the shirts are oh fucking amazing. I love, people are like putting the shirts on their dogs. Oh, God damn. I love that shit more oh, than anything. I love the shirt on a dog. <laughs> we should come out with a dog line. No, the parasocial plays are fucking incredible. I have, I have been so impressed. We had a member of the pit, Richard Pryor, wear his shirt at the Cleveland sign. Hashtag I love Cleveland. I'm still surprised that didn't open up an actual dimensional portal. <laughs> it should have. That's what we designed the shirt to do. When you go to these places of power from within our beloved game, we're talking about the Cleveland mm -hmm. sign. We're talking about, of course, the mansion. We're talking La about... Quinta. Santa's house in Finland. <laughs> Santa's house in Finland. You should be able to go to any of these places wherever Pee Pee cut his head in Australia and spilled blood on the ground. If you stand on that yeah. spot wearing this shirt, a portal opens up to one of the alternate dimensions that we talk about from time to time in our beloved game. And you should be able to walk through and experience that. But I don't know. Didn't look like it happened for Richard Pryor at the Cleveland sign. Try again. Maybe it will. <laughs> Once again, thank you everybody for everything that you continue to do to keep the pit running. We appreciate it. Until next week, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,981 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I 
I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe, unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.